belt. And just like that, ladies and gentlemen, we did it again. We are live. Welcome to Creative On Purpose Live. And I'm going to pull up my script and we're going to start again. <laughs> Welcome to Creative On Purpose Live, conversations about making a living by making a difference. I'm your host, Scott Perry, author of Onward and head coach of Akimba Workshops and chief difference maker at creativeonpurpose.com. If you're ready to make a living, by making a difference, grab some insight and inspiration at creativeonpurpose.com. Let's meet today's guest. Justine Clement, welcome to the broadcast. Please tell our viewers who you are, what you're up to these days, and where can they go to learn more about you and the difference you're making? Thank you, Scott. So Justine Clement, and it's lovely to be here. Uh, I'm currently in London, uh, so excuse any background noise. Uh, they're putting up a lot of Christmas lights this evening, so I apologize for that. And at the moment, what uh, what I'm up to is I've been running a B Corp business for um, the last seven years, creating experiences for brands like uh, Unilever and PepsiCo, uh, creating experiences that they use as part of their advertising and marketing campaigns. Uh, and in the past few years, I quietly in the background been transitioning to something altogether new, which is about helping people to reconnect to themselves and reconnect to nature. So one part of that is through the breath. So I run a, um, a breath coaching business called uh, Wonder Breath. And then I take people on what's called Shinrin Yoku walks. I'm a Shinrin Yoku guide, which is also known as forest bathing. So you can find me there at forestbathingmadeinbritain.com. Fantastic. Well, I'm really interested to explore both of these things um, and really interesting about your backstory, about you know what you've been doing, what quietly been building on the side. I want to start there just because a lot of the folks that tune into this broadcast, a lot of the folks that are in the Creative On Purpose community and the Difference Maker community um, have done just what are doing just what you've done. They are building yeah. sort of passion project or side hustle. So give us a little more context around um, that backstory. How long um, have you been building these side hustles and, and how close to you, are you to making them a full-time vocation? Uh, so I ran the previous company that I worked for, I ran that up until about seven years ago and then it was sold. So I think it's probably about seven or eight years, but really my curiosity in this new space, which is what the the, the what we called the, what were the side hustles, um, are all about well-being. And about seven years ago, I decided that I wanted to set up a platform, which is still running. It's called the Life Adventure, and it was really about introducing people to. Um, modalities in the well-being space. It took me a while to work out what it was, but it was mental health and emotional well-being. But seven years ago, that that was still really quite unknown. So I was facilitating bringing people in, experts that I'd found on my journey of curiosity and one that um, was helping me live a better life and bringing those people in to deliver workshops and talks and we work with um, government departments in the UK and organizations to help them with their well-being strategy um, as well as yeah talks workshops masterclasses on things like resilience and burnout and I think during the process of that I started wondering um, Am I always going to be the facilitator, bringing the experts in, or would I like to be one of the experts? And 
so the journey has been 20 years, I think, of that, and then shortened to seven years of starting the life adventure. And then the last few years in realizing that, I think refinding some of my roots really, uh, certainly in terms of the nature connection. Um, and the breathwork is something that I originally started uh, about 20 years ago when I um, took up Ashtanga yoga. And then I read an article in the Times about this amazing thing called breathwork about 15 years ago. Um, so they've, it's, it's been a swirl of all these things going on in the background, really. Um, so it's difficult to pinpoint one particular moment that probably started 20 years ago. Yeah, that's so one of the themes that has really emerged recently in the show is how, um, you know, I'm guessing that while you were in the midst of your journey, <laughs> it didn't look, it looked like a lot of disconnected pieces kind of cobbled together and you kind of end up in, in something that feels like a brand new thing or maybe disconnected, but it always feels like um, rather than this series of pivots or, you know, breaking one way of being and creating another way, there's seems to always be a through line, a theme and sort of a, a a journey of becoming, at least when you're at where you are and looking back, would would you say that that's a fair fair way to look at your your current place? Yeah, I, I'm really fascinated by that. There's a diagram, isn't there? The the sort of the startup diagram of you think it's going to be A to B, and it's actually all over the place, and that's so relevant and. You can't see it when you're in it. You really can't see the clarity. And, and I've had very a lot, a lot of moments thinking, uh, what am I doing? And I am a person, um, I do like to be doing lots of things. You know, I'm, I'm a doer rather than a beer. I, I'm quite an action person and I'm, uh, I, I'm an Aries. Aries quite like to be juggling lots of things at once. They're not very good at routine or sticking to one thing. There's um. A famous author Elizabeth Gilbert who wrote um, Eat, Pray, Love, but she also wrote uh, another book. Is it called Big, Big Magic? Dream? Yeah, Big Magic. That's it. So you know it, and uh, where she talks about um, actually, I don't know if she talks about it in the book or actually in a talk with Oprah Winfrey. But uh, there are two types of people as she sees them in life, and there are the jackhammers and there are the hummingbirds. And, and I think I always wanted to be a jackhammer, which was, you know what you want to be when you're born and that's it. You decide you want to be a doctor. And I know life is never that simple, but there are people that exist. There are jackhammers and they know where they're going and they know what they want to do. Uh, whereas there's people like me. And when I listened to it, I was like, oh my God, I'm a, I'm a hummingbird. That sounds much more attractive. And actually hummingbirds, you know, she, she makes it sound absolutely beautiful when you're in it. It's, it's not quite so beautiful, but you go from field to field picking up nectar. Uh, and I love that. And, um, I've, I co-wrote, um, authored a book during uh, during lockdown with 14 other women, and I talk about it. Uh, my chapter is um, is about living a curious life and just saying yes. Uh, and I kind of finish with the talk of the jackhammer and the hummingbird. And it's amazing how many people have have said um, subsequently on reading that chapter. Oh, it feels so lovely to know that being a hummingbird is not quite so messy after all. But um, but yes, I, I don't think you can 
put, put the pieces together at all. I mean, there are moments of clarity. I, I really feel that actually. I've had a week where everything is easy and flows and uh, everything I try and do goes well. And then, of course, you get other times and, and sometimes it can be a day, sometimes it can be a week, sometimes it can be years where you'll feel you're a little bit in the dark and working out which way you're going. Uh, but, um, yeah, I do feel personally that I'm kind of emerging a bit from the light. And that's, yeah, I would say that's probably seven years in the making. In uh, describing my journey in one of my handbooks, um, I, I came across a wonderful English, old English slang word called uh, uh, wobble, um, which is to, to be heading purposefully towards a vague or unknown destination. And oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's the way I think that many of us, you know, I think um, one of the things that, that's really interesting um, and, you know, when we talk about things like passion projects, um, you know, and we talk about purposefulness a lot, obviously, yeah. purpose is that these are things that, you know, we talk about all the time and we, at least here in the States, we have this um, myth that, you know, your, your purpose and passion is out there, go find it and then do something with it or your purpose and passion is in here excavate it and then do something with it yeah but when people are like there's scientific polls that say when people are asked what's your purpose or passion 80 percent of people can't identify either and so really that's interesting it, yeah you know maybe it's actually purpose and passion come from doing whatever is right in front of you with purpose and passion and being that hummingbird that can yeah. go from area field to field um yeah I think it's less stressful to think like that, isn't it? Because because otherwise, so many people would feel uh, totally despondent. I think. Oh, I think you're absolutely right. It's a it's an invitation to shame and suffering. If eighty percent of people don't know what their purpose or passion is, and you're saying, "Well, yeah. what's your purpose or passion?" That's just an invitation yeah. to, to shame. Um, yeah, yeah, I agree. I, I I'm really curious. So. I know I can't remember the name of the documentary, but somewhere on Netflix, I watched a documentary with my wife about forest bathing, maybe more than one documentary okay, about yeah. this. And so yeah. um, I'm just fascinated by this. So please unpack that a little bit more and tell us a little bit more about forest bathing. So the the forest bathing is a translation from the word Shinrin Yoku, which was um, coined uh, in Japan in the 80s. So Japan was a very rural country. I think it's I, I'm not going to quote the percentage, but a huge amount of Japan is forested. And then quite quickly, they move from being rural people to a huge amount of the population moving to cities, predominantly Tokyo. And in the 80s, you know, there was a real high level of suicide and really poor mental health. So the Japanese government decided to look into this. And they're one of their departments of uh, ministry, I think, of agriculture. Um, they're still developing this research today, but they, over a period of sort of intense research in the 80s and 90s, uh, undertaken by a couple of leading um, professors there, Dr. Ching Lee and Miyazaki, took um, different groups of Japanese businessmen from the cities, from Tokyo and into the forested areas and uh, undertook a series of scientific experiments, really measuring their blood pressure and their saliva, their sleep patterns, um, cortisol levels, stress levels. 
and worked out um, what happened to them if they spent certain amounts of periods of time within uh, specifically forested environments. Um, and what they discovered was um, was that the forests, uh, predominantly the, the, the a big bit of, bit of the research is that they discovered that trees give off something called phytoncides, which are chemicals a bit like the pheromones that we give off. Um, and they ward um, off attack from insects and other things that may attack the trees. And um, they discovered that when human beings breathe in these phytoncides, um, they have a really calming effect on our nervous system. Um, they also help to regulate blood pressure. So if your blood pressure is low, it brings it up. If it's high, it brings it down. Um, and really, really um, de-stresses uh, the human body. So there's an enormous amount of um, scientific backing in Japan. Uh, I think there's a fair bit going on in California in the American sort of uh, forest bathing societies over there. And then in Britain, actually in the county that I'm in, in Surrey, there's an organization that's working with one of the universities, I think of Essex um, in Britain, to look at the the specifically the types of trees that we have here. But it's known that all trees give off these chemicals. So um, that's a part of it, but the other part of it is really us um, relearning the things that we've gotten. And that is, you know, one of the beautiful things that really did it for me was learning that, you know, we've lived as a species 10 million years in a natural and predominantly forested environment. And we've lived 10,000 outside. And that's equivalent to a football pitch and a one penny piece. So the one penny piece is the amount of time we've lived outside of a, of a woodland and natural environment. So we've also forgotten that we are nature. We've separated ourselves from it. Um, so all my work is is really looking at how we can reconnect ourselves. So the breath is reconnecting to yourself. The forest bathing is reconnecting to nature. But a lot of that also happens in groups and we do a lot of sharing. So um, it's uh, it's an experience, really, which can be done generally about two and a half and three hours is, is ideal. Um, and it's a series of, of sensory. We call them invitations, but they're, they're exercises in effect. But it's invitations in that you don't have to do anything that you don't want to. And we're re-engaging our senses because we've become a very visual species. And it's about coming out of the visual and re-engaging our sense of taste, of touch, of hearing and of smell. Um, it's very gentle. It's a bit like the breath. None of this is rocket science, but I think we've overcomplicated our lives so much that um, yeah, we need to relearn and, and go back to basics. So um, in Japan, you actually get prescribed to go on forest bathing or, or Shinrin-yoku experience. So if it, you're experiencing something to do with stress, sleep, um, anxiety, blood pressure, then they'll send you to one of 60, I think about 62 centers they have in Japan. And they'll, you know, they'll measure everything as, as I've, I've mentioned, your blood pressure, saliva. And then you'll have particular routes that you'll do in the forest that are accompanied by a guide. So we don't have those here in Britain, but we're looking into those. But they can be done. Forest bathing can be done um, 
in, in any forest. I mean, we find it here particularly lovely doing it in ancient woodland, which is woodland over 400 years old. But it can also be done in urban areas. So there's plenty of information out there about going to a park uh, and being able to do it there. So there's lots of options and you can easily do it on your own, going with a guide. It's like anything. It's like going to the gym. You can go to the gym, but actually, if you take a personal trainer, then you tend to work a bit harder. So obviously we're not working harder but it just helps you I think to it's quite difficult for us as modern human beings to to slow down and reconnect mm. with ourselves and our senses so um it's it, a guide gives you the opportunity to do that yeah well I love that and I appreciate a, that reminder especially um you know here in the states we um like to celebrate um you know the, the self-made person and DIY do-it-yourself culture. Um, and as someone, as a recovering uh, self-made person and DIY addict, I can say that um, progress is for, at least in my experience, progress only really began to be made in my adventures in freelancing and um, entrepreneurship by getting, getting great coaching. Um, yes. Looking for trusted guides and mentors to help help me um, avoid the, the the mistakes that most most DIYers make. So that, I think that's a really important point. And you've woven in a little bit of your breath work. And I'm just curious about that a little bit. Is that um, is is this is breath work? And I apologize if this is just an ignorant question, but is it tied to kind of somatic techniques? Or is it a, a different thing entirely? Yeah, I mean, that's spot on in terms of what the type of breath that I'm working with is called conscious connected breath, which is an umbrella term. So I don't know if you're familiar with yoga, but Hatha is a type of umbrella term for lots of different types of yoga that sit under that. So somatics is a type of breath, which is it actually comes under the same umbrella term, which is conscious connected breath. Um, so um there are loads of different types of breathwork. The one that's very popular, certainly in the UK and Europe at the moment, is um, led by a guy from uh, a Dutch guy called Wim Hof. And it's a type of pranayama breath, um, which, excuse the noise in the background, um, which is, there's about 400 different types of pranayama breath alone. Um, so I like to liken it a bit, if you, if you were to take a line You've got pranayama breath at one side, which is about breath control. Uh, and that's quite popular at the moment. So then there's, uh, you maybe breathe in for five, hold for five, breathe out. <clears throat> it's a very controlled type of breathing. And then you've got conscious connected breath work, which is down the other end of the scale, which is about breath release. So the type of breath work I do, there are no pauses between the inhale and the exhale, and it's connected. And that's the important part of it. So that's really what it's, it's still a little bit unknown as to exactly how it works. But it really started in the 60s on the West Coast in California when, uh, you know, the whole LSD movement was happening and psychedelics then those were banned and people started looking at other ways to connect with the um with what else is out there however you want to call it the non-human world the whatever it might be and breathwork was kind of born and um somatics um rebirthing holotropic breathing those types of breathwork were born so i mean the the, the science is still relatively uh, a bit unlike shinrin yoku is under it's it's not really been developed but um 
since the 60s doing it um there's enough knowledge and of course breathwork is incredibly old anyway if you go back to the pranayama types of breath then we're talking thousands of years old but it's um they're really ways to help you to have a, a deeper connection with yourself and the type of breath work that I do is is really that um, it's we call it a self-healing modality so I may be the facilitator and I may guide you through your breath journey but actually you're having an experience with your body and your body is, is taking over my the teacher that I learned with talks about it as you're you're in a car you're in a vehicle you're in the back seat and you've got the map but your body is in the front seat got the keys to the car and you know knows exactly where you're going is going to take you on that journey so and it's a beautiful analogy really um so it's a self-healing modality uh, and i would say most types of breathwork probably are but i'm i'm particularly fascinated with the the connected breathwork for that reason well, it seems like the theme, a theme is emerging from this conversation around this idea of interconnectedness. So your, your, um, your journey has been very interconnected, a, a lot of different disciplines and a lot of different types of, of skills and, and, and domains. And then, um, you know, the, the forest bathing is about reconnecting and being interconnected with nature and, uh, inter and your breath work interconnected, um, you know, just one of the things that that we've been talking about at creative on purpose is the importance of integrity meaning in and of itself of a whole and so we talk a lot about um you know work-life balance is a delusion and, and again an invitation often to shame and suffering what if you just showed up as an integrated whole wherever you happen to be whether it was in your personal life as a spouse as a parent as a friend or in your professional life as a freelancer, an entrepreneur, or employer, or employee, um, and it's, it feels like the the breath work would actually be a really um, could be a, a really powerful lever for someone that wanted to achieve that kind of interconnectedness, where they you know didn't feel like they had to change hats or switch gears all day long as they moved through different roles in their life. Um, yeah, don't know if any of that resonates or not, but it's just a noticing. It does. Well, what I wanted to say on that was that um, we actually get seven. I mean, I, I, I actually developed some audio guides for the breathwork so that people can go off and do it for themselves. And um, but uh, we, we've done some sessions on that for creativity. But what's really interesting with the breathwork or with the, our breath itself is that actually we get seven about approximately 70 to 75 percent of our energy from breath. So breath, um, I, I would have thought um, previously, historically, I guess I always thought that we would get our fuel or our energy from from food. But actually, 70, 75 percent comes from the breath because what we're bringing in through the breath is is oxygen and energy. And that comes into our cells and it refuels our cells. And when our cells are fueled, they're they're very healthy. So um 
it, it with that brings clarity, I think. And in terms of creativity, as I said, developed this audio guide specifically for that. But really, the basis of any of those audio guides that I've developed around uh, better sleep or having more energy or feeling more creative and clear, the foundation is still the same. And it is this, con this, this connected breathing method because... Um, what you're also doing is that it actually works on three levels. So the physical we've spoken about is bringing a fuel into the body, into the cells in the form of, of um, energy and oxygen. But we, we actually liken the body to a filing cabinet. So over the periods of our years, however old we are, um, when we feel stressed or when we feel threatened or when we feel unsafe, our body goes into something called the fight or flight mode. And when we go into that mode, and sometimes we know it consciously and often we don't. And what happens then is we um, we restrict ourselves. We kind of constrict our, our bodies. And what we also do is we hold our breath. So when we hold our breath, we're not bringing that fuel into the body. But what we're also doing is kind of in restricting that we are trapping um, or what's really is is the unprocessed emotion, because what's coming with that lack of safety uh, and fear is also um, is, is an emotion. And when we hold our breath, we're not able to process that emotion because the breath is the vehicle by which we process our emotion. So over the period of our lives, we're doing that quite a lot. We're going into this fight or flight, maybe major, maybe minor, holding our breath, developing poor breath, breath patterns. So we're not breathing fully and accessing our, our lung capacity. And we're also closing down on those emotions that we feel, particularly, um, you know, in, in Western society, we, we, you know, we don't go out shouting generally in the streets when we feel stressed. You know, we're kind of taught to, you know, just um, particularly, you know, in Britain, there's, you know, we're kind of uh, you know, must behave, behave appropriately. So we, we shut we shut our emotions down. And um, what we talk about with um, with conscious connected breath is it's like a filing cabinet. Our body is really our subconscious where all that unprocessed emotion is stored. And uh, well, I, it's like a filing cabinet doing the breath work. So we're going in with a feather duster and we're, we're, we're dusting off that old, those old dusty files, those old unprocessed emotions. And we're very safely and very gently releasing them by bringing breath um, into the body. So it's really quite fascinating. And all of that obviously leads to greater clarity. And with that comes greater creativity. Mm. Yeah, well, it sounds very, we talk a lot about doing uh, difference making from the inside out, leadership from the inside out. Um, and so it sounds like you're talking about well-being from the inside out is, is Definitely. part of it. Um, so we're coming to the end of our half hour together, Justine. And um, the last question is always uh, just to ask guests, although you've already shared plenty of, of actionable wisdom, um, if there was just one tip, piece of advice, quote, Maxim, anything that you would share with someone um, tuning in that either aspires to develop and deliver the difference only they can they can make or want to advance in making things better through an en endeavor of their own creation. Um, what what would based on your your journey and your experience, what would your advice or insight be for them? I think it's been the theme of today and it, it you know I'm making it the theme of the rest of my life but I really do believe that um 
this point of reconnection is 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 everything everything for our future as human beings and i think until we learn to reconnect with ourselves feel still with ourselves uh feel comfortable um you know love ourselves then i think um i think we're in for a rocky ride and i i think um I think if it would be one bit of advice, it would be to have the tools um, to help you um, manage the rocky road that's ahead for a lot of us. Um, you know, we, we see it now, but I think there's more to come with climate change. And really, I think having the tools such as breath work or having a practice such as going out in the morning and going into nature are the things that I have found invaluable and I think we all will need moving forward so if there was one bit of advice it would be to um, find the tools that work for you and keep using them regularly so that you can what we call in breath work is so surf, uh, surf the emotional roller coaster and i think there's, there's more to come for the human race so that's what i would say i love it i love it you got to put the oxygen mask on yourself before you can save the person next to you definitely really? definitely Really appreciate that. And we want to thank you all for tuning in. Justine and I really appreciate you lending us the valuable gift of your time and attention. We hope that today's broadcast motivates you to lean into an endeavor that matters with greater curiosity and courage. You can learn more about Justine and the uh, difference that she's making right down there at wonderbreath.co. And of course, it's always fantastic to see you at creativeonpurpose.com. Now, take the insight and inspiration from this conversation. Fly higher in the difference only you can make. Justine, thank you so much for your insight and wisdom, and uh, good luck getting the rest of your Christmas lights up. Thank you so much, Scott. I really enjoyed our time together. Thank you. Likewise.